You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. Ding dong. Hello. My name is Rabbi Knopf, and I'd like to tell you about the most amazing book, That is more or less like the opening uh, uh, bar of a musical night called The Book of Mormon. I don't know how many of you have seen it either on Broadway or had a chance to see it here in Richmond. I think it's running through Sunday, so I think there's still opportunities that they're not sold out. It is an amazing show, a really wonderful show. You'll enjoy it from start to finish, although I have to warn you, it's not for the faint of heart, uh, and those who have seen it will, uh, will be able to attest to that. Uh, it's from the creators of South Park, um, so if you have ever seen South Park or heard of South Park, you have a sense, an, in- an inkling of what uh, what you'll uh, be able to see or hear in the Book of Mormon, although lots of things are bleeped out on basic cable on South Park that are not bleeped out in live theater. So you just need to know before you go there. The Book of Mormon is about not just the Book of Mormon, the biblical book or the post-biblical book that is the foundation of the faith of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but it follows a group of missionaries from that church who go to Uganda to make more Mormons. As, uh, as they say in the song, um, two by two, we're marching door to door because God loves Mormons and he wants some more, right? So they, <laughs> so they go on missions. Now, the, the story, which, you know, it's a very interesting story because on its surface, or the play, on its surface, it's a lampoon of Mormonism and of religion in general, but if you scratch beneath the surface, it actually, I think, is a celebration of religion of a certain type and what's possible, the good that's possible through religion um, if uh, one allows uh, oneself to think of religion in a certain way. But the story follows these missionaries who go to Uganda to preach to the uh, unconverted and to make them Mormons, And I won't give away too much of the plot. I just want to tell you what I thought was interesting about the story. So the story is largely based on fact. First of all, it's based on the the fact of the narrative of the Book of Mormon, although sort of a spoof version of it. And it's based on the fact that at the age of 17 or 18, Mormon youth go out on missions. And they get sent all over the world to preach the gospel and the Book of Mormon and to win converts to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there's a very funny song um, that uh, calls the missionaries the army of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right? So uh, it's sort of like a subtext. So, um, so they go, they, when Mormons are 17, 18, they go door to door. They get sent out all over the world to preach and convert people to Mormonism. And this and it's highlighted in the show, and it's true in real life, is the highlight, the apex of a young Mormon's life. Mormons chomp at the bit to get sent out on missions, to go all over the world for two years, to have doors slammed in their face just for the few opportunities that they have to share their faith with somebody who's willing to listen to it. 
This is the highlight. This is the apex of a young woman's life. So I want you to think about this for a second. Think about Jewish kids who are 17 or 18. The vast majority, the vast preponderance of Jewish kids who are 17 or 18. And what are they most eager, most interested, most excited to do at that time? Chances are they're thinking about college, maybe they're playing sports, maybe they're thinking about girls, who knows, or boys. Um, But that's what they're doing at that time. Maybe they go to Israel, maybe. Very small percentage, though, unfortunately. There is a sense of purpose embedded into the learning and the family life and the lives of young Mormons from an early age, that the greatest opportunity they have is to go out around the world and tell people about their religion, to tell people why they love it, to tell people why they find it compelling, to tell people why they find it beautiful. I wondered as I was watching the show, first of all, lamenting a little bit that we are sometimes unable to inspire even a modicum of that kind of passion in young Jews. And a rabbi can only do so much. And for the most part, it's not the clergy of the Mormon church who inspires these youth to go out on their missions. It's their families. It's their parents who from a very early age say this is the highest honor a young Mormon can have. This is the most important thing. Our faith is real and transforms lives, and other people deserve to know about it. And so I lament a little bit that we're unable to do that because it's not only a clergy job, it's a parent job, it's a home job, if we want it. But I wondered for a moment what it would look like for Jewish youth to go out on missions to tell people about this amazing book. What would that look like? What would they say? What would the reaction be? Now, the first thing I want to say about this is that my guess is that some of you kind of bristle at that idea. What do you mean go out on missions to tell people about the Torah? That's a crazy idea. That's not something Jews do. We convert only reluctantly, right? Wrong. There is book after book and image after image in the Bible and in rabbinic literature of a completely different brand of Judaism. The Psalms say, Imru vagoyim, we sang it tonight, Imru vagoyim Adonai Malach. Go out and tell the nations that God is king. Go out and tell everybody. When Abraham is called by God in last week's Torah portion, God doesn't say, go be the founder of the Jewish people. He says, go be the father of many peoples. And all the nations of the earth will bless themselves by you. God's mission to Abraham is not a particular mission. It's a universal mission. Because the whole world, I think, could use the wisdom and beauty and compassion, and love, and justice, and peace presented by the Torah. And in the Bible and rabbinic literature, time and again, it instructs us to share that beautiful message and to share our faith. 
Over the course of time, we lived, we Jews lived in hostile environments. It became dangerous to spread the word of the Torah. And so we went inward. We went into our shtetls. We said, okay, we're not going to risk it out there trying to preach the gospel of Judaism. So we'll do it in here. We'll set up our day schools. We'll focus internally. We'll strengthen and build Jewish community. But we live today in a radically different era than our ancestors who lived in the medieval period where that ethic of not converting and only converting reluctantly came up. And yet the ethic remained the same even though the times had radically changed. We live in an open society where people come to me all the time. You would be so surprised all the time saying, I've met so many Jews and I've read the Torah. I've read articles online and books at the bookstore and you have an amazing faith, an amazing tradition. I'm hungry for wisdom and meaning in my life. And I think your tradition has it. Will you teach it to me? It echoes a story in the Talmud where converts go to the rabbis, potential converts, I should say, go to the rabbis all the time and say, teach me Torah. And the rabbis, by and large, except for one very notable exception, say, sure, I will teach you Torah. There are people in our world who are hungry for meaning and purpose in, our, in their lives for richness and wisdom and beauty, are eager to help make the world a better place. And the book that I'm holding here offers a way. I won't say it's the way. I don't think it's that kind of mission. I think that there are many ways, many beautiful ways, many wonderful ways. This is my way. But it's a beautiful way. And it's open and accessible to anybody who wants it. So what would it look like? Ding dong. My name is Rabbi Knopf, and I'd like to tell you about the most amazing book. It tells the story of a God who, before time, was all-powerful, but was so hungry for relationship and meaning and love and freedom that he was willing, that God was willing, that infinite God of oneness was willing to sacrifice of God's self to create a world in which God's power would be limited. Limited by the trajectory of the evolution of the cosmos and of biology and limited by the advance of consciousness and freedom among created entities in the earth. And that world of freedom was beautiful, but fragile, and constantly at risk of reverting back into the chaos. And a couple of times, God realized that God didn't do such a good job in creating a world in which there was that much freedom, even tried to destroy it once. And so what God said was, let me inspire a small group of people. Can't force them, can't coerce them, but let me inspire a small group of people 
to utilize their freedom for a life of purpose and responsibility, compassion and world repair. And let them create a people and a nation based on righteousness and justice. And then let them go out into the world and show the rest of the world what's possible to be a people that's focused on living lives of blessing by blessing others and making the world a more blessed place. Over the course of time, life was not always great for that group of people. They even encountered tremendous struggles. But eventually, they're liberated from enslavement because remember, this is a God who prizes above all else human freedom. And this freed group of slaves now has an additional mission, not only to make the world a more blessed place, but to make the world a more free and just and compassionate place. And they encounter God at a mountain who communicates that message directly to the entire nation. Men, women, and children all there together. And that moment is crystallized into law and holy space. And they carry forward that law and that holy space to the edge of the wilderness at the cusp of the promised land. Because the message is that human existence, the repair of the world, is not a task to be completed in one generation by one person, by one group of people. It's a perpetual struggle, an ongoing need that each of us can partner together and join in and help fulfill. We may not ever, any of us individually or collectively, get to the promised land, but we can always keep marching toward that horizon. And if we do, eventually, we might bring the world to that promised land, to wholeness, to completion, to peace, to shalom, back to the oneness with which God intended the world to be in the first place. This is free. You can peruse it at your will. No charge. I'm going to leave it here. But I think this book will change your life. Shabbat Shalom.